Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Rooms Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the director and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. Well, uh, I hope you all had a nice holiday break. Hopefully it was uh, relaxing and uh, you got to spend time with family. Uh, we had our own little break, so uh, even though it's been uh, two weeks at this point, uh, we're, we're coming back around. Uh, the college football season may be functionally over, but uh, recruiting never sleeps. So uh, we're going to go back and cover uh, Rice's early signing day, which really is functionally just signing day at this point. Nobody really not a whole lot of use of the February day, but uh, go back and review the signing class uh, and including, um, I believe right on the eve of signing day, there was uh, an announcement of some note about uh, a member of Rice's class, certain transfer that um, uh, made some news. Yeah, we should have gone back and we should be more prepared. We should have gone back and listened to exactly what part of this conversation was on the tail end of the bowl recap podcast and what part of it was off air because I, I very clearly remember the conversation we had. I mean, what that would have been a couple days before the mm-hmm. early signing period about, yep. Hey, Rice should probably add another quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, uh, ha, ha, JT Daniels, right? Ha, 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 ha. And, uh, I guess you should be glad that we were not uh, on video at the time. We tend to uh, record these just on audio. And because uh, I, I feel like your face might have given you away at that point. Oh, it, it, it would have. At that point, I had heard that he was he was on campus. But, you know, you've heard so many things in recruiting about people being on campus and getting on campus is a whole different ball game than actually signing pen to paper. And so when that announcement went out, I guess it broke. But the, the eve of the early signing period was that Tuesday evening. And I, we just texted back to each other and you were like, did I did I call it? And I'm like, I kind of think you did. <laughs> and that was with no foreknowledge. Oh, it was it was that was a fun night. <laughs> yeah, it was it was fantastic. And I, I guess for the second time in have to go back now what maybe three well maybe maybe three times they brought in Luke McCaffrey with the that would have been the 2020 class or no the 2021 class and I believe at the time he was the highest rated player to sign with Rice of course not out of high school but then in the 2022 class they signed Gabe Taylor, high schooler safety, who was at the point at that time the highest-rated high school signee that they'd ever signed. And now they Rice has JT Daniels, a five-star recruit, at least coming out of high school, that he has signed. And my golly, if the staff can do one thing, it is bring athletes to campus. Like this is getting ridiculous. Yeah, I say yeah. please more. <laughs> the recruiting has definitely never been the problem, and uh, as you said, they've gotten some high high profile guys uh, in terms of transfers uh, before. But this one is um, that's a big one. Uh, you know, McCaffrey had some name recognition mostly off his brother outside of like the Nebraska fans, um, but uh, everybody in college football knew who JT Daniels was four years ago. So 
this is um yeah that's pretty big and sure like all the caveats apply here right this is his fourth different school he has never been like put up like truly incredible like heisman numbers his his starting career at georgia was somewhat limited he um you know, all 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 those caveats applying. This is still a level of of sheer raw talent, and at this point, experience um, that is wildly beyond uh, what Rice is used to seeing uh, in in terms of of the players that they get on campus, whether whether high schoolers or transfers. So, um, we're not saying that um, you know Rice is about to win the AAC in its first season there, but. Uh, I the well, one one thing I said at the time is that th- this program has been an emotional roller coaster over the last four months before uh, this the news of this got out, and uh, it, it definitely has to change how you feel about some things going forward. I think it does, and and I think it's important to kind of flesh out a little bit more because you you were kind of getting at it where. He's a five star. He's a five star talent, but and and yeah, like if he had been, you know, the Andrew Luck of Andrew Lux, he would have stayed at USC. He would have been a, you know, on a plane to New York for a Heisman Trophy and somewhere, and he'd be off to the NFL by now. And that that didn't happen. But there are all sorts of different kind of high rated player goes down to lower level stories, and you see several where. He players just didn't pan out, weren't any good. A lot of the reasons that he lost his job and kind of a lot of the things that have kind of led to this is he just wasn't healthy. His USC mm-hmm. career ended with yep. an injury. His Georgia career never really got started because he was never really healthy. And then he had one stop at West Virginia where things were just kind of squirrely. So it's not like this is a guy who just – flat out stunk for four years and he just kept going lower and lower. Like he hadn't really had as much of a chance to get on the field till last year. Uh, really since his freshman year at USC was really when he was a, a full-time guy. Mm-hmm. So this is not a, you know, in, in, in the coaching vernacular, it's a retread, right? That guy who'd been there and done that and you're just right. going, going and pick him down. I don't think he's quite there. I think it's, it's completely fair to say, Hey, yeah, he's, He's not probably going to be Andrew Luck. He's not going to be a guy that, you know, is in New York next year for a Heisman Trophy ceremony. That's fair. But it's also, I don't think, not, you know, painting a rosier picture to to say that he steps in and he's going to be one of the best, best quarterbacks in the American Conference next year. And... I'm just like looking at the projector. I'm not going to say he's going to be one or two, but you tell me he's a top five or six quarterback. And how many how many teams are going to be the AAC next year? Are we at twelve? Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like we, I I want to like let the dust settle for a little bit before I I go look anything up. I don't want to get like right uh, any sort of uh, mental mental schema in my head before uh, that that's immediately going to change in like less than a year or something. Yeah, I've blinked it. But the point of me saying that was for for what Rice needs, his experience and his connection with Bloomgren. And I, this has been posted. I, I shared a bunch of this stuff on the site. A lot of this was for uh, our patrons and subscribers. But so the, the connection to Rice, Bloomgren joked that he started recruiting 
JT Daniels eight years ago when he was coming off his freshman season in high school and Bloom sat down with him and did whiteboard work when he recruited him when Bloom was at Stanford and was actually Bloom's first offer in that class, the 2019 class, before Daniels uh, reclassified and entered school a year early in 2018. So uh, I, I thought that was a, a, an interesting little connection and uh, a note that uh, Bloomgren also shared that is public now. He and OC Marcus Tuyasasopo actually sat down with JT Daniels in Athens last year when he transferred and left Georgia and was ultimately ended up in West Virginia. So this has been, you know, the eight year recruiting hunt to get this guy and which is bizarre and only happens in college football today. But but I think the net net of of the JT Daniels situation is this is this is a slam dunk. This is a guy that you would would obviously love to take and now they have and we kind of sat after the Southern Miss bowl game talking about who's your guy next year. And it's like AJ Paget, Well, I, I guess, or, you know, is it TJ maybe? And we didn't really feel great. I can now unequivocally say, I feel really good about the quarterback situation next year. And I'm not assuming, you know, 30 touchdowns and three picks. Like it doesn't have to be amazing. Right. Perfect. It's just going to be better. And man, if Rice had better, if they had, one less turnover or one less interception a game. They're an eight and fourteen last year. Yeah, yeah. Like as much time as we spent this year saying that, like really the quarterback play was not the problem. It's not as though it couldn't have improved, and it's not as though there weren't obvious or like fully achievable levels of improvement. And it's entirely reasonable to think that uh, having JT Daniels on the team gets them that level of improvement and more. So, uh, yeah, I think this is both a both a floor and ceiling raising move, probably. Um, and uh, for all that, you know, after the way this season went, uh, things felt very unsteady moving into the AAC next year. Uh, I think this shores up a lot of that. So it's it's uh, again, this is not, you know, you're not like having Bryce Young decide to to transfer to Rice to get another degree for his last year of eligibility or anything like that. But uh, it's still a really, really, really huge thing. Is that an option? Did you get an inside? <laughs> just send him over to Houston? I mean, yeah. like, uh, the guy made so much NIL money in two years at Alabama. Like, he can, he can put off uh, an NFL contract for another year. Like, why not? Yeah, why not? This is our official pitch, Bryce. We, we, we kid, though. JT, uh, welcome to Houston. We're excited he's here. And then I think this uh, seamless transition, you see what I'm doing here, to kind of our agenda for what we want to talk through in this podcast. We want to talk through the class as a whole. And for those, first off, I'll plug the Patreon again. Go ahead and subscribe there. We got detailed breakdowns that are there on all of the positions. We're kind of hit the high points and some things that have yet to come. So I want to kind of talk through some big picture, kind of the positions and the breakout of the class, some some kind of key players. And then we can kind of make, maybe make our wish list of what's missing. Uh, you know, as you joked about, maybe we should go get JT Daniels. If you have any other five-star or former five-star players you think Rice should add, that now would be the time. Or I guess we'll get to that at the end. Okay, Carter, so be thinking. And... Uh, <laughs> 
And we'll start here. I want to hit quarterback because this is something that I think is worth noting. Uh, Chase Jenkins was uh, from over in A-Leaf in Houston was the first player that was committed in this recruiting class, which I think is notable because the last couple recruiting classes before this quarterback had been a middle or late recruiting cycle addition. And Rice really hadn't been able to find their guy, go get him and have him locked in for the entire haul. I mean, yet I'm, I'm like, I'm struggling to think through who I think Wiley Green might have been the only guy that was early and locked in and stayed locked in. I'm trying to think through, but maybe. So it was significant. He's been kind of a vocal leader of this class the entire time. And I talked with Coach Tui on the on the the day of the early signing period that Wednesday about. You know, the decision to bring JT, obviously a no-brainer, but you're bringing in two quarterbacks. And he said something I thought was interesting. And I want to kind of toss it over to you and get your thoughts. He said in, in today's world how the rules work, nobody's taking one quarterback anymore. He said the plan going forward is to take two quarterbacks, period. And then ideally it sets up like this, where you have one guy who's coming in, Chase Jenkins, uh, going to be a true freshman, probably don't want to, not probably don't want to start him in 2023 if you can help it. And then a veteran guy who's going to be your one year starter as people get, you know, uh, grow up and get ready. Uh, Rice actually did the same thing with Mike Collins and TJ McMahon a couple years ago and were able to stagger their starting career. So I think it makes a lot of sense. And I, I do you think, like, like Dewey, that this is just going to become what happens now? Like, is it two quarterbacks at the end? Yeah. I mean, I think for most schools, most of the time, especially with as much movement, quarterback is going to be one of those positions where there's always a lot of guys in the portal. Like you, if you're only take, if you're taking like one and exactly one quarterback in basically every class, then all it takes is like, you know, one true freshman winning the job, which is like great in most circumstances, if a guy's that good right away. Um, but if a younger guy wins the job, then, you know, come spring, you could be down to two scholarship quarterbacks or something like that. Like, because of the nature of the position where only one person can play at a time, in, in the past, that was a reason why you generally didn't take, you know, you would take maybe one in the class, maybe two every couple, every couple, couple or three years. But um, going forward, like with as much movement as there tends to be, if you're only taking one, you put yourself at such a risk of one portal heavy year completely sapping you of all depth at the position. I just had like physical a physical reaction to completely sapping you of all, all depth of the position <laughs> while also watching all 37 quarterbacks rice has played in the past four years <laughs> disappear uh, <sighs> yeah never never again you know take three take three quarterbacks well, I, well we're already adding bryce young right yeah so like there we given go. <laughs> given the way things have gone for rice uh even without heavy transfer losses at this point like yeah, I think taking two and especially again, like w with the way, uh, you know, Rice probably set itself up going forward to be a destination for a lot of transfer quarterbacks, then 
if you're taking a guy that you expect to be kind of a media guy and then a developmental guy, then that's usually going to strike a pretty nice balance. Yeah, absolutely. And to that end, keeping those quarterbacks upright, offensive line, Rice signed six, six offensive linemen in this class. And if you're thinking, Matthew, aren't there only five offensive linemen on the field at one time? I would say no, because this is Rice, and they like to go jumbo. <laughs> so, so maybe not. So uh, Bloomgren actually, he joked that he was really nervous about signing the fifth off, or I guess uh, the, taking a commitment from a fifth offensive lineman. And that came all the way back, I think, in April, end of March, that they had their fifth high school edition. Yeah, and wasn't then there, Brent, there a run where they had like – four offensive linemen commit in the span of like a week and a half or something like that. At least that's what it felt like. No, no, you are correct. It was, it was right after they had hosted, uh, I think it was after a, 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 a an official visit day or, or something like that, where they had them all on campus and they actually had, so all five of them committed in like a one week period, but one of them held his commitment a couple days because he wanted to announce on, I'm trying to remember, I think it was his grandmother's birthday or something like that. Um, but yeah, so I'm looking, yeah, we had commitments <laughs> all all in the month of, of April. We covered the entire offensive line, more or less. April 9th, or April 17th through 29th, they picked up four, and the last one was on May 2nd. So yeah, two weeks, five offensive linemen which is ridiculous. And at that point, the class was five offensive linemen and a quarterback, which was <laughs> just so rice. It, it felt. Yeah, you got half right. an offense right there. So that that was fun. And and then so they what they were good. They didn't want to take anymore. And then actually uh, Luke McCaffrey's former roommate at Nebraska. Hit the portal and that was a. Well, can we get him? Yes, let's take him. So Brent Banks, he is a guy. We've seen Rice have a lot of success with this the past couple of years with the plug-and-play grad guys. And Banks actually has two years of eligibility left because of uh, the COVID year. But uh, can play inside, can play outside. He will be starting next year on the offensive line. And anytime you can go and get a proven P5 guy that, you can plug and play. That's what you do. So that that was a no no brainer. And I think we'll see this with leaving extra spots left to say we didn't plan on taking six offensive linemen, but we need him. So we took six. So hopefully between those that <laughs> banks and the five freshmen and the 15 underclassmen offensive linemen at this point. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm joking, but I, I had to pull my, my my roster sheet up from last year. I think last year they had something like 18 offensive linemen who were freshmen, redshirt freshmen, or true sophomores. So, like, Dang. they got guys. They got to figure out who can block and keep the quarterback upright. So, at that point, I just take as many shots as you need. I, I reiterate that point. Yeah, and that's also something that's going to be it, – it's always something that a lot of staffs did, which is, you know, you'd have a certain number of guys you could sign in each class, um, not necessarily like the full limit, but however many spots you had, however many, you know, in, in terms of guys that you predicted to qualify or not, things like that. And then you'd have a couple spots open for 
if we get a guy we like regardless of position. And that has just become all the more magnified in the portal era where you leave those spots open. Specifically now, you're probably looking at transfers and you're looking at guys like, did you need another offensive lineman in this class? No. Are you going to turn down a guy with power five starting experience that wants to come play for you? Absolutely not. It doesn't matter about the need. You just, if a guy that immediately is going to probably become an impact starter wants to come play for you, then you take them. Like Alabama did not need a running back in last year's class, but when a guy like Jameer Gibbs decides that he wants to come play for you, you absolutely don't say no. So uh, the same thing, uh, same principle applies here. You just, if a guy that you know is immediately going to be an impact player, you just, you take him and you forget about it. Yeah, and you figure out the numbers later. And I I, I think, so the, the rule used to be 25 scholarships in a class. They've since adjusted that to, I think, account for seven outgoing transfers. Something I believe like that's that. correct. Yeah. Something like that. It, the, the math and, and staffs, they used to get all cute about how, who was outgoing and, and medical retirements and ways. There's ways to get around and that 25 you, number. You could back count against a previous year's class with early enrollees and stuff yeah. like that. It, it was never, and like some schools are more about like, not to go to my other fan base again, but Alabama notoriously, like even the after this sort of quote unquote oversigning era uh, was always, uh, let's say, creative with the numbers in terms of how many guys they were bringing in and how many guys were on scholarship and all that. But every school does that to some extent. And now with the adjusting for for transfers outgoing, it's it's all just like anyone who is attempting to track any school scholarship numbers, particularly a school like Rice, where as a private school, they don't have to tell you anything and they are absolutely not going to. Uh, so <laughs> tracking the exact numbers on any of that is, is probably fool's gold at best. Yeah. Rice is at 24 scholarship signees for the upcoming or the 2023 class right now. I think that number can go to 32 unofficially with that loosey goosey math. So there's room. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and that was intentional. So you can find your Brant Bankses and add them to the fold. Uh, a couple more guys on offense I want to kind of hit on. So first off, wide receivers. You took three here. Landon Ransom goals, Drayden Dickman, Justin Williams. Uh, a couple notes here. Uh, Ransom goals and, and Dickman are both like legit speed guys. Uh, Dickman actually ran a 10-6 100-meter dash in, on track this year. And all right, all right, speed right. has been something. Yeah, exactly. Insert a meme here <laughs> of any kind. But, uh, you know, Speedy Gonzalez, the Roadrunner, beep, beep. Any of those guys. Speed is good. Uh, you want more speed. Two guys that are really fast, they added. And Justin Williams, a uh, really big catch radius, kind of a, a bigger guy that, you know, Rice has found a use for that kind of body of receiver, too. So adding him to the fold, that's just kind of is what it is. I don't think anything too crazy there. I think something that is noteworthy at running back, Dalian Alexander, uh, he was actually uh, the first true flip that Rice had under this coaching staff. And, and, and what I'll clarify that is somebody who was committed to another school 
and then said, nope, I'm not going there. Now I'm going here. Not someone who committed and then decommitted. It was decommitted for six months and then picked a new place. No, he Rice took him away from Air Force. And in the words of Coach Bloomgren, he was handpicked by C.J. Anderson to run the football. And that sounds pretty good. <laughs> Rice did not sign a single high school running back last year. They got uh, Dean Connors and uh, Uriah West from the from the portal. So this is the first true high school running back signee since uh, Kalen Griffin. <laughs> That's got to count for something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, That's, the, the Super say Bowl champ says, four. hey, that guy, he's good then that's good enough for me. I'm not going to assume my evaluation is better than his. <laughs> well, I'm I'm going to need something. I magic dust or whatever. So uh, really <laughs> fun to watch. Um, a lot of speed and power. I, I think he could be a guy that could touch the ball 15, 20 times a game if Rice decided to do that. And I don't know if they will, but maybe he's so good that that happens. We'll see. So one in that room. And then last offensive uh, position I want to hit on is tight end, where Rice actually signed three guys, which signing three tight ends in a class is, uh, it kind of feels like a lot, but I think it's interesting how they kind of lay out. So James Falk, he's the only high school signee. He is your your bona fide blocking guy. Uh, He can catch. He has some good highlights of catching, but he is being put in there to just kind of run over, be the the Jaeger bull, kind of that F back and kind of just steamroll people. So that's kind of where he fits in. The two transfers I think are interesting. Matt Hall, uh, 962 career receiving yards and 13 touchdowns at Truman State. Uh, So that's over a couple years. Um, He's kind of a downfield guy. I believe he has two years of eligibility left. And then the one that I think is particularly interesting is Ethan Powell. So Ethan Powell was at Southwestern last year. And if you've never heard of Southwestern, that's because it's a D3 school. And you don't really see a ton of D3 to FBS jumps. At least I... I yeah, not think, typical. Think of many. But last year at 879 receiving yards and five touchdowns in 10 games. And he's your true, they call it an F tight end, basically a receiving tight end, a guy that you can line up in the slot and not in line very often. And Jack Bradley did some of that this year, but they kind of really, I think, won him in line. They kind of put Bowden Groen filling that role this year. But he, yeah. you know, one year removed from Juco and had an injury and they just lost too many tight ends this year. They needed depth. So you got a blocking tight end and you got two receiving tight ends. And you have a pretty well-stocked cupboard of wide receivers. So, I mean, I think just going through the list, I think they've checked off most of the boxes that they need from playmakers. So, and and, and I'm going through, by the way, if it felt like a lot of numbers on this, that's because 15 of the 24 players Rice signed in the early signing period play offense. (laughs) It was 60% of their class. On the offensive side, wait, 15 out of 24? I was told there would be no math. That's a little bit more than 60. <laughs> uh, 62.5. You get the idea. There you go. I was close. Five-eighths. Five yeah, and, and it's interesting, like, um, uh, Powell's an interesting one because 
I don't think you've seen them put that body type on the field as much at tight end, um, but it's not for lack of trying. Uh, they have uh, Nate Camper, who's a, a guy we've talked about, I think, a lot, and it uh, just has not really been able to get on the field at all because of injuries. Uh, a very similar body type coming out of uh, of uh, high school, just a very, like, almost a giraffe type guy like he's yeah. listed now Powell, by the way six, 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 two, five, three, seven. yeah so so definitely on the um almost almost a, a brad rosner type body uh at uh, uh at tight end which you know if you get a guy that size to go out there and uh catch jump balls for you uh it worked out pretty well for brad over the years so uh, they can get that kind of production out of the tight end position. That'd be pretty nice. Yeah, Camper six six two thirty seven, and uh, Ethan Powell six five two fifteen. So big and lanky, and that uh, can run like can play wide receiver. So I'm 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 interested with with that. We're we'll gonna see how he fits in the spring, and then actually kind of tying it in with the spring, kind of a interlude between. Jumping to the defensive signees, uh, Rice is taking, I believe, eight early enrollees in this class. That is notable because all of the transfers are coming in at the mid-year. That, I guess, at this point, that's that's not that special or interesting. So you have uh, JT Daniels, Ethan Powell on the offensive side of the ball, and then you have, uh, sorry, Matt Hall and Brant Banks. So that's four offensive transfers. They'll be here early. They also have uh, two guys coming in that are transfers that are going to play on defense. We'll talk about that in a second. They're going to be here. So that's six, excuse me, correction. And then you actually have four high school early enrollees. So that's 10 members of this class that are going to be here in January. I guess it's January now <laughs> that are going to be here this semester for spring ball, which is kind of remarkable first off because uh, I believe these are the first high school early enrollees that Rice may possibly have ever taken. Uh, um, uh, that would not, uh, I was going to wonder if they were because it was, I mean, first of all, high school early enrollees just as a they're thing. Not, they're not common. Yeah, it, it was not something that was done, period, in college football all that much until 20 years ago, maybe, like or early, mid-2000s. Um, and now you have, like, uh, I don't know, like, schools like Alabama and Georgia and stuff, half their class tends to enroll early. But um, Rice certainly never did that, like, when I was in school, uh, had freshmen coming in mid-year, because it, it, Rice very much values the way it brings its freshman classes in with a week and stuff like that. And even though that experience is a bit different for, for fall sports signees, like for football and soccer and stuff, because they're there early and they have to take time out of that for practice and stuff. But um, it's still something that rice has been very protective of. And not to mention that right. I mean, rice's peer institutions, Ivy leagues, for instance, stuff like that. Like you, this is not something that's really done at, at top, top tier academic institutions for the most part. So, uh, yeah, when I found out about this, I was very, very surprised because it, it makes sense that 
uh, you know, with them taking more and more transfers and more and more Juco players, that they would have those guys coming in at midseason. And it's not as common outside of athletics, but like I had friends that transferred to Rice that got there in the middle of the year. So it does happen. So it's not surprising that people who had already been at post-secondary schools come in the middle of the year. But Rice bringing in high school players um, at mid-year is, is a significant development. Yeah, and I and I say I'm I'm fairly certain that it, it is the first of its kind in that, like you mentioned, it's a relatively new practice to begin with. And this has actually been a multi-year process. This is something that when Bloomgren got here, he wanted to see if they could get done. But, you know, as you mentioned on the uh, the academic side, it, it's it's hard. <laughs> there are a lot of academic hurdles to get through. And so basically uh, the administration and the athletic program basically were able to agree on a set of criteria that was pretty stringent to say, hey, if someone fits this profile, then they can get in. And Rice was able to get in four of them, which is, I mean, going to be huge. I mean, having an extra spring ball for a quarterback who at this point, like, has a quarterback come in here and not started at least a game? Like, <laughs> like yeah, right. Every spring counts, so that's going to be huge. And uh, a couple guys coming in early, so Chase Jenkins being the notable and also Landon Ransom goals, uh, wide receiver on offense. So obviously wide receivers play offense, Matthew. But, you know, <laughs> so a lot of exciting things there. I'm, I'm just getting to pass midseason form into offseason mode. So on to defense before, uh, before I break down and, and need a fifth down. Defense, <laughs> I think, a lot lighter. Well, not, I think, I know, a lot lighter. And the breakdown is kind of interesting up front. It starts with four defensive linemen, uh, Chris Clark, Joseph Motumbo on the high school front, and then adding in Coleman, Coco, and Jordan Campbell. So I kind of bring a handful of those names up. What I think is is most, notice, most notable on that front is uh, Motumbo, for one, uh, he is the second highest rated high school signee in this class, uh, and he is actually the seventh highest rated signee in program history. He is the third rated, uh, fourth rated signee, a fourth highest rated signee that Rice has ever signed. So, and again, we keep doing this every year with, when we talked about the recruiting acumen of this staff. Uh, I think it's just absolutely fantastic. I'm looking, and you have five of the highest 10 signees ever have signed with Rice under this staff and all since 2019. So that's nice. Uh, these kind of fit the whole gamut of what you want on the defensive line. You have um, Matumbo, who he, he's probably going to stand up, probably rush position penciling him behind josh piercy i think having another josh piercy waiting in the wings just like he kind of took over and took the torch from kenneth orgy that's been a really productive position in this defense so he is one to watch chris clark uh, kind of going to play in the middle and actually was a defensive mvp for his region as an interior defensive lineman in the state of texas which is just bizarre yeah <laughs> I, I don't know if i've ever heard like the only other person that I can think of being on that level is Braylon Carroll. And I don't even know if he was district. I know he was the team defensive MVP. I don't believe he was the district MVP, which is, that's 
bizarre. And then two transfers uh, and Coco and Campbell uh, probably going to be, uh, well, not probably going to be on the, on the defensive end kind of plug and play kind of guys that hopefully they kind of produce. So I, at this point, I, the only thing that sticks out, Matumbo being pretty highly rated and then just, Along the offensive line, you know, we kind of joked about six offensive linemen, but at this point, especially on the defensive line, you just kind of, you got to take four or five every year and just keep restocking, right? Yeah. And that's one where, like, you know, most schools aren't going to go more than about five or six deep on the defensive line, but you, you have to rotate on the defensive line. Like, guys just get tie it like they cannot play every snap on the defensive end and yeah you have to have fewer of them on the field at the time but like it's one of those positions where the like you can never have enough depth on the defensive line so you always always want to get guys um Matumbo really stood out to me here just in terms of the physical profile like if you are a like depending on the style of different defense teams play like if you're looking at NFL defensive ends that are more of the hand-in-the-dirt type, you're sort of, I don't know, like your Dwight Freeney types, although Freeney was undersized himself, but like, you know, those sorts of dudes, you're looking at like 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", maybe a little longer, like 270 to 280. Clemson gets a lot of these guys for a college team to to think about. Um Whereas if you're in more of the mold of like the outside linebacker, like the the kind of stand up rush end, your um, Vaughn Miller's, Chase Young's, Will Anderson, guys like that. Um, this is kind of the physical prototype for that position. Like if you think of like I always remember when Chase Young was coming out of Ohio State, people were always like, "This dude is built like an alien. He's like six six two fifty and just like insanely fat." Like. Matumbo is listed at 6'5", 240, coming out of high school. Like, that is, that is an NFL-type rush-in body already. Um, that's like, that's, that's something like 6'5", 240 edge rusher. That would stand out to me for guys signing at Alabama. And it does, actually. Like, their top guy, Keon Keeley, who is just destroying the All-American Bowl right now, is basically that exact same body type. Um, and obviously that's a, that's you know a five star versus a high three star, but still like seeing Matumbo and seeing him listed at that like that is notable. That is something that when if you're if you're used to looking at different levels of different kind of tiers of college football recruiting, you see the differences in physical profile that guys have at some positions. Um, but that is one that. Seeing six five two forty, I was like, oh, 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 yes, hello. Yeah, and I think that the exciting kind of part that you you can you kind of get to is the fact that Rice is finding more Matumbos, and the fact that you know, Debraylen Carroll actually just brought up, brought up. I think this is really interesting. You go back and you look at those 2018, 2019 classes from the beginning tenure of the staff and it was a lot of I'm not going to say cutting corners but kind of finding gems right you had to find the guys who were undersized but really good players your market you know, market to, inefficiencies yeah you had to go and be be smarter and find those edges and develop them into uh, you know get them in the weight room and bring them up or go find the guy the 
Debraylen Carroll, who's he's just a good football player. I don't care if he's four inches too short. And behold, he's still a good football player. Now Rice is is finding more guys along the Matumbo line who actually look the physical part and have the skills to go with it. And that's good. That's I, that is my analysis. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> more, a more. It's a great advantage as a staff to be able to identify guys who are like. I mean, yeah, this guy's only five foot eight, but he's, you know, super fast, super physical. Like, he can still play corner at this level, even though he's only five eight. Well, if you could have the same guy with the same skills and the same, you know, measurables, same like speed and all that stuff, and have him be six one instead of five nine, then you take that. So, uh, all things considered, you, you, you know, you don't always need the physical profile and the the ultimately it's about the player, but like it sure is easier to be a great player when you uh, like there's a reason they look for those physical traits to begin with. So uh, it, it's definitely nice to be able to start bringing in guys who really fit the sort of the, the ideal mold of their position. And speaking of ideal mold of their position, this is another one that they hit exactly what they were looking for. I want to jump to corner. Uh, AJ Stevens and Jamarian Clark, uh, both six foot guys. Stevens at listed at 175, Jamarian Clark at 160. Jamarian Clark is actually going to be one of the high school early enrollees, so he's going to be here in time for spring ball. But again, and, and I think Jordan Dunbar was probably the first guy that Rice signed. And what is, I don't even know what Dunbar, I'm going to have to look it up was Dunbar officially listed at? He's listed at six foot. I think he signed. He was at 5'11", maybe. But he was kind of the first guy that they signed that was actually at that six-foot range for, for corner. They, a lot of the guys they brought in before that were, I mean, I think across from him, Sean Fresh is another example of, man, he's twitchy and fast, and he can jump, and he can get up and do it. He's just not six foot. And bringing in two six-foot guy corners, six foot corners uh, that can run a little bit. So wins there. Uh, you obviously needed more depth in that room after kind of some of the injuries they've had. And actually some of the guys that they've been in that room have now been there for a while. Like miles McCord is, is probably running out of eligibility at this point, even <laughs> with the extra years. So two, two corners and then one safety uh, Ashton Owajuku. And I wanted to share one story on Ashton because this is, if you want to hear a Rice recruiting story, this is it. Uh, Bloomgren and the staff sat sat down with a uh, an engineering professor in the engineering department and explained to him, hey, we're trying to get this kid. Uh, he's considering us and Vanderbilt right now. Uh, can you help us? And the engineering professor <laughs> said, <laughs> we got to take him to, we got to take him to the lab. This is a true story. This actually happened. He said, we got to take him to the lab. And so they took him to, oh man, I, I would butcher it. I don't know the full name of it, but basically Rice's engineering lab and uh, gave him the full, the something kitchen. Uh, uh, oh, the OEDK. The Oshman Engineering Design Kitchen. It's the it's it's a little it's a spot I used to see all the time. I was never actually in there because I was a scientist and not an engineer. But 
it's basically the place where a lot of Rice undergrads will do uh, like lab and and development work on their engineering majors at Rice all do a senior design project and a lot of them do a ton of work on their projects in there. They also just opened yeah. a big opened up a big new fancy mechanical engineering building in addition to that. So I'm I'm sure I, I also I just I love the idea of this because if you think about it, any big football school, probably if the football staff, you know, has a guy who's a really interested in a particular department and they go to that department, like the professors know what's up, right? Like if they've been there for a bit, they uh they're they're used to sort of of, you know helping give that sales pitch i love just the idea of of the staff going to a rice professor who well, right yeah who probably has not interfaced with football at all during his tenure there and like explaining the concept of of recruiting someone and being like can you I, help i us do believe this? he's kind of been plugged in and been helpful and uh, along the way so he wasn't <laughs> from from my understanding it wasn't completely green but uh probably man not, colin but, but Calling in I, the engineering professor to help land a recruit is just, oh, it's so rice. I, I also very much enjoy that being a win that they got over Vanderbilt. That's uh, that's very personally satisfying. Yeah. So you beat another SEC, not another SEC school. Rice is not in the SEC yet, to my knowledge. Uh, <laughs> you know, next round of realignment. But yeah, yeah, you beat yeah, out an sure. SEC school for somebody else that they want. Uh, that's great. <laughs> Good win, and you did it because of the uh, engineering lab. That's fantastic. So uh, one thing, uh, one additional thing about him I thought was interesting, most of his FBS offers actually came at running back, which, you know, I guess there is a, a it's not a crazy uncommon for uh, athletes in high school that can play both ways to kind of get both sides and have to pick when they go to school. But uh, I mean, 6'1", 185, and rush for, uh, 1,767 yards and 26 touchdowns as a senior. Was a finalist for the Houston Touchdown Club Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, just explosive and powerful, and uh, you think you transition that to defense, somebody that can be a heavy hitter. I think it's going to be interesting to see. I think he's going to stick on defense, but that was also the story that was told to me about Jake Bailey when he arrived on campus, and I he might have been in one defensive meeting before he went to wide receiver. So <laughs> I leave that in there. If Rice is looking for a running back, they might be hitting up the safety room. So. Yeah. And I mean, safety. like another guy listed on two, four, seven. Interestingly, like I went, I went to look at the, his recruiting profile. He's not ranked in the composite. I don't know which of the other services doesn't have him ranked. Um, but he's an 85 uh, by two, 247, which is like solid, like not high, high three star, but like solid three star range. Um, but he's listed at six foot 195, which is like, you know, you'll go through some physical development in college. But like that is certainly at this stage, like that is the the start, a starting point for like an NFL type defensive back body. Like that's. Um, it's just another another data point on how many how much closer to the kind of physical prototype at all these positions they're starting to be able to bring in now. Yeah, and if you put in in all of the way the recruiting service services work, that's an entirely different podcast. 
But if you dropped him into the composite and you gave him that 85 rating and you put him into Rice's recruiting class and had him scored that way for the purposes of the all-time commitment rankings, uh, he would be he would be 14th uh, all time. Yeah. In this Rice. in this class, he'd be in the top five of the class, in the top four of the class, basically t- tied with Drayden Dickman, who's a composite of 0.8503. So um, he good. Yeah. But there's a lot of those. And then, uh, so two more I got to get to linebacker to kind of close out the defensive guys. We haven't hit on them yet. Uh, but Bo Barton, one of them, and then Ty Morris. So if you, again, going back to those recruiting services, I've seen him listed at, at safety and linebacker. That's because he kind of played both, not kind of, he did play both in in high school. So he kind of started out, uh, let me get me this right, at safety and played there kind of junior year and then transitioned close to linebacker in the box his senior season so he can kind of play both and has experience doing both which if you think about the kind of I'm going to call it four two five defense that Rice plays or whatever you want to do with the star edge rush end <laughs> yeah I, I it's it, all this stuff with TCU and the three three five defense over the course of this national championship discussion. I'm like, well, it's a three three five, but like, can we at least define what? <laughs> do yeah, we have to? Uh, I don't. Who plays what? Oh, I don't know. Somebody needs to come up with sort of a comprehensive, like re, new terminology, new. Uh, God, there's a word for I'm looking for here, and I'm like, not a new like naming scheme for defenses because the old ideas of like. Three four four three four two five three three five are just like not really as applicable to modern defenses with the way they tend to be more multiple and with the way that everybody runs nickel as essentially their base defense now. Um, well, it's like so a, funny because like I come off watching the World Cup and I don't know how many of y'all watch that, but like they'd go put up the the, the formation on the screen and they explained to you it's a one three three two or you whatever and and you could see it it was lined up that way and i was like that makes sense that was an aside but yeah i whatever you want to call that position but when you're going to play in rice's defense but they have two down linebackers kind of the most essential skill you can have is range like honestly if you can tackle and you can get to the sideline that's kind of what you need. So to have a guy who kind of has done both, has had the coverage side and has the ability to play in the box and make hits, uh, kind of checks both boxes that Rice would want. Uh, he is the highest rated signee in this particular recruiting class. And then you go look at the all-time rankings. He's actually technically ranked fourth all-time. Uh, Gabe Taylor, one. DJ Arkansas, five. Joseph Matumbo, seven. At uh, ten, you have Jake Bailey. So just uh, quick rundown but yeah and you talk about guys that kind of fit the profile uh, it's hard because he plays the i'm not going to say a, a made-up position but you know <laughs> a position that's changing but he kind of fits the linebacker mold 6'1 175 put on a little bit more meat on him and a guy that can stand in the middle and plug holes yeah uh, like the the days of of big plotting off-ball linebackers whose only uh whose only job is to play downhill against the run is is pretty much over in college football um so the more you can find guys who have those hybrid skills who have the range who have the instincts and zone coverage who have the ability to stick in man like 
linebackers have to cover. And if they can't cover, they're going to get picked on. So uh, as long as you've got the, the, the size and the ability and the, the willingness to get in there and play old school a little bit, uh, finding guys who are kind of converted safeties who are used to doing that stuff and having them at linebacker, as, as long as you're not going to lose too much of the run game, there is, is a supremely valuable thing to have. I think it, it makes a lot of sense, and it, it, I feel like it, it just moving from safety to linebackers, it's a lot easier to teach a coverage guy uh, how to tackle than a inside-the-box guy how to cover, just intuitively. Yeah. So, so we'll see. that, And that wraps up. Those are the 24 current signees that Rice has had. Uh, we kind of talked through a lot of names and kind of positions. Is there anything left? Uh, this is your chance now to to become the class whisperer. You don't have to give a name, but any position left that you kind of feel like you, you, you would like to see another transfer or two? Because high school recruiting is more or less done now at this point. They'll probably, they will add some walk-ons, but probably not scholarship guys. And if they do, it'll be a guy. Uh, any, any transfers, any immediate impact fixes pending, whatever happens with the portal. Which Rice has been pretty favorable so far. Not not a bit, not a lot of big losses, but anything else that stands out that Rice still needs to address with this class. In terms of high school players, I think there's nothing wrong. Yeah, yeah, like regardless, I think you could. I would never say no to another defensive lineman, and. Three total defensive backs in the class uh, wouldn't hurt to take a chance, even just like on an athlete back there. Maybe find a guy who can give you something at safety or corner. Um, just in terms of the numbers, as far as what you'd like to sign and what they actually have, um, I think for for a for a numbers perspective, I would go defensive back. From a from a depth perspective, I would go defensive line probably. Yeah, I, I was kind of right there with you. I would love to get a a transfer safety in there if I had uh, my my druthers, uh, especially with no George Nyakwal, who is officially out of eligibility, I believe. <laughs> You're looking at, I mean, your most experienced safety coming back is probably Gabe Taylor and yeah. uh, Kirk Lockhart. I'm trying to think through. That's that's probably probably what you got. So a couple of guys that have experience and have, and have been productive for you, but adding one more guy who could come in there and and be a veteran presence, I think that would be nice. Uh, I kind of like what they're at at corner. I would never turn down another corner. Maybe I'm the opposite of you. I'll take the defensive line, uh, all of them, actually. I think we're actually going to see a couple more transfers on this side of the ball. I think a D line and a safety. I think both of those make a lot of sense on on offense. I kind of still am going to continually have my eye on running back until they find an answer. And yeah, that that was one. I'm I, just, I I didn't want to throw another position on there after having already done two, but but on the on offense, it would definitely be running back. And I I mean, Daly and Alexander might be fantastic, but. I think asking a freshman running back to come in and be the guy that has not happened yet under Bloomgren, really, yeah, until, I mean, Kalen Griffin kind of came in, but that was, that would have been his redshirt freshman season in 2020. 
correctly, right? Trying to remember. Sounds right. Or it was a five game. Either way, uh, not yeah, not regardless. really. Not really been the guy that kind of came through. Oh no, because he had spring ball and he was tearing everybody up. So that would have been retro freshman season. But yeah, a true running back coming in and doing it in this offense uh, probably unlikely. So you're going to have to find somebody else. And uh, there's a couple guys on the on the roster that are interesting, but nobody has nobody's rushed for more than 860 yards. Uh, since Aston Walter and Aston Walter was not really a, a bell cow running back at yeah, all. Yeah. So you got to find somebody. And I think it's, I mean, there's going to be some guys hitting the portal, especially after spring ball. And that's kind of what I would kind of wrap up on this. I think I'm not going to say we're done, but I think things are kind of going to be quiet for a little bit. You'll probably see a couple more additions around signing day more than likely kind of guys that are still in the portal right now and then after spring ball you'll see another couple wave and i think something's interesting and this was pointed out to me by somebody who works in recruiting last year and they basically said that you're not really done until june i was like yeah. what do you mean he's like well that you you get to to camp for or you get to campus for off-season workouts in June and that's really when you need your team together and so you don't really actually have to fit you don't really have to be done in the portal for another four months after signing day so I think we'll probably kind of see a trickle and I think there's probably uh, five or six at least guys that we still see added to this class and you know maybe a couple interesting late additions that it, it just it kind of depends you know like we said earlier who ends up in the portal and what spots you need, where that kind of lines up. But I'm happy with the class. If you go by national rating, uh, this right now, and a couple guys still not ranked, you know, as we were talking about with the Wajiku, um, but or uh, Ojiaku, correction. I'm going to try really hard with that one. Uh, Rice has the number 82 class in uh, America, that is the highest rated class that Rice has ever signed on a national rankings scale. It's the number three class in Conference USA. Uh, that also the highest in interconference ranking that Rice has ever had in a signing class. And you go extrapolate, move that over to the AC. Uh, there, it's hard because the recruiting services don't all have the new conferences in for next year yet, <laughs> but it would be about middle of the pack in the AAC. So to go from a, a a program that was recruiting at the bottom of Conference USA to the middle of the AAC in five years is a good start. I'm pretty happy with that. And yeah, I mean, three straight years of top five sign, or recruiting classes in program history and the wins keep going up. We need to see more of them. But yeah, for the last five years, actually, Rice has signed one of the top five classes in the history of the program. Not too shabby. Yeah. No, we just got to hope the win number keeps going up. Uh, but that will do it for us tonight, or for today, whenever you're listening to this. But that will do it for us for a little while also. We have entered uh, now our... Uh, probably biggest off-season break area. Uh, we will be back probably in about a month, right after the final signing period 
check in, see if Rice has added any high school players, any transfers coming in during that time. Maybe look ahead a little to spring practice. Rice does tend to start pretty early on that front. Uh, maybe update on uh, basketball, things like that. Uh, but we will see you all again in uh, a few weeks. Uh, but thanks for sticking with us through this season as we we cap a bow on it. And through this uh, relatively long podcast for us, uh, you know, I love to talk re- talk recruiting. So, uh, so we, we went a little longer than usual, but uh, we're glad y'all are here with us and we'll see you again soon. And Rice Fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.